EO Fire 1267. Knowing what to say no to so that you can truly say yes to the stuff that really matters to you. Hey, Fire Nation, and welcome to EO Fire, where I chat with inspiring entrepreneurs seven days a week. If you're ready to set and accomplish your number one goal in 100 days, text JOURNAL to 33444 and ignite. Entrepreneurs, near and far, JLD here, and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Michael Bungay-Stania. Michael, are you prepared to ignite? I am so, so prepared. Bring it on. That's what I say. Michael is founder and senior partner at Box of Crayons, a company that helps people and organizations do less good work and more great work. He's the author of the new book, The Coaching Habit, Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever. Michael, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse of your personal life. Sure. So if people are wondering what my vaguely exotic accent is, I am a misplaced or displaced Australian. So as Australian, <laughs> I was carrying on there and then I had the good luck to win a Rhodes Scholarship. That whisked me away to England to study at Oxford for a while and two good things happened there. The first is I met my future wife there. So that kind of changed everything. Yeah. The second is it stopped me becoming a lawyer because I'd done a law degree in Australia and it had ended badly. I actually ended my law degree being sued for defamation by one of my law lecturers, which is a, you know, an ominous start to a law <laughs> career. Um, but it kind of pulled me out of there. And uh, when I finally, finally staggered out of university, um, still not really knowing what I wanted to do, I had the good luck to fall in to an innovation and creativity company. Now, this is kind of before innovation became a bit of a buzzword, a hot word. Um, they were called What If. They're still called What If. Um, and they were great because these were entrepreneurs and really my first exposure to entrepreneurs. And they come from Unilever background. And all they knew is they just didn't want to do business as usual. So I showed up and I had long hair and piercings and tattoos and I made my own clothes at that stage and they were like that's awesome you're weird come we on like in it. brother come on in. we're an innovation company this is you're cool and you know it was a perfect exposure to to working because I think so often when we start work we're a little beaten down by the organization just like we have to we have to fashion you to become a corporate citizen and these guys were all about don't become a corporate citizen that's the last thing you want to do anyway I now know that was the lesson. I didn't get it immediately because when I left What If, I joined a change management organization, which was a bit more conservative, and I worked with them for a while. That took me from London, where I'd been living before, to Boston. So I was now in Boston. My wife happens to be an insane fan of the Boston Bruins, so that was part of the incentive. Um, and then I left Boston and in 2001 moved to Toronto. I had a job lined up, but my flight out of Boston was on 9-11. So basically, it all went to hell. Um, but by the time I finally got to, to Toronto, the job I had lined up had vanished. Mm. And it actually kind of pushed me into that entrepreneurial state. So in 2002, early 2002, we started Box of Crayons. Um, we didn't have a very sophisticated business model when we started. It was all about if you have a pulse and you have a wallet, I could probably help you out here. Just anything. I didn't know anybody in Toronto. I was kind of desperate. I could turn my hand to a number of different things, but I didn't really have a plan. Um, but over time, we've, we've got a little more focus in the work that we do. 
a little more niche because Fire Nation, if you try to resonate with everyone, you're going to resonate with no one. So know your place in the world, especially when you start. Now, Michael, let's fast forward to today because we are going to talk more about your past. But today, 2016, how do you and your business generate revenue? We've actually followed that exact advice, which is like we have a really specific niche, niche, and it's this. We're a training company, and whilst our general uh, mission is to help people do less good work and more great work, we now have just three training programs, and they're all about giving busy managers practical tools so they can coach in 10 minutes or less. That's all we do. We're just about giving managers and organizations the ability to be more coach-like so they can work less hard and have more impact. And you know why that's so powerful, Fire Nation? Because now whenever Michael comes in and his company comes in and they crush it and they do crush it because that's the one thing they do. So they're amazing at it. They've perfected, they've honed, they've done everything they need to do to get those skills in place. Now, whenever anybody thinks about that specific thing, like, oh, there's a company, they need some help, like Box of Crayons is the obvious referral. So make sure you are known for that Thanks. John, let me add one other thing to that great insight, which is what it, that, that's useful for customers. But here's why it's helpful for me. I can say no to a lot more things. I don't have any maybes. I'm like, look, it's either this or it's a no. This is not what I do. And that makes my life much more efficient and kind of less full of anxiety and ambiguity because it's like it's a yes or a no. We do coaching training or we don't do it. Fire Nation, if you can get to that point where you're doing that Derek Sivers quote for everything, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no, believe me, life is good. Now, Michael, what I want to do is shift to your journey as an entrepreneur. Now, it's had a lot of ups, a lot of downs. I mean, you know, Box of Crayons, you said launched in 2002. I mean, this is 14 years, Fire Nation. This is almost unheard of in the (laughs) entrepreneurial world. So congratulations for that. But thank you. I want you to Break it down for us. And and what I want you to break down specifically is a moment in time. And I want that moment in time to be what you consider your worst entrepreneurial moment to date. So, Michael, tell us that story. Take us to that moment. Well, I'll tell you one that, that really landed with me and taught me a valuable lesson. And it's this. It was early on. We didn't have quite the focus that we have now. And I'd been chasing this organization. It was a pharmaceutical company, one of the really big ones. Everybody will have heard of it in the top five or so biggest companies, uh, pharmaceutical companies in the world. And through persistence and through nagging, I finally connected with somebody who was sort of senior in the HR world. She ignored my first nine emails and phone calls, but finally she picked up. We got a relationship going. She was like, you know what? Come in and run the session for my my team. Not my team, but my boss's team. I'm part of this team. We're, we've got a team session coming up. It's going to be in Philadelphia. Uh, we, if you do well here, who knows what could happen? And her boss was the head of HR of this enormous company. So I was like, God, if I nail this, who knows what will open up because this is an influencer, huge budgets. I, you know, I could see my future being set. I was rubbing my hands in anticipation. <laughs> so we head to Philadelphia and it's a three-day retreat. It's only five people on this team, so it's really intensive. I bring in a colleague. Somehow we get to work perfectly together. And honestly, at the end of these three days, I'm like, we have, we have nailed this. You know, this colleague, not only a trainer, but happens to be a professional opera singer. So at some stage, we're singing opera in the middle of a shopping, shopping center. We're running up and down the rocky stairs. We're going to the arc. It's kind of one of these events where I'm like, we got deep, we laughed, we <laughs> cried. And when I was flying back from Philly, I was like, oh, man, I, I totally nailed this. So I get back home Friday. The weekend passes. Monday. 
the boss rings. So this is my my client, her boss, her team. She rings up, and I'm like, this is it. It's going to be the the opening of the door, the pathway to riches. And this woman starts the conversation, and she says, Michael, that was the worst team session I have ever experienced. I felt humiliated. I felt deeply let down. I will personally ensure that you never work in this organization ever again. <laughs> what you heard was a thud of my jaw hitting the table because I was so not expecting that. I was expecting to be praised, to be kind of encouraged, to be invited in, maybe have a meal, meet the CEO. And it went completely the wrong direction. And, you know, when I sort of recovered from that, Part of what I, as I was reflecting on, well, what, what the he- what the hell went wrong here? <laughs> it, it's and it's this. It's like I hadn't really figured out who mattered in the room. I hadn't really figured out who the real client was. Um, I thought it was the person who who brought me in, but actually, she she mattered, but she didn't matter as much as this other person. And since then, I've done a much better job at as I think about as I grow my business remembering who the real customer is because it can there's you know it can be illusory as to who really matters and until you figure out who matters and what creates the net sale how you build the relationship if you get that wrong you can shoot yourself in the foot just as I did in that session so there's a lot of things to take out of this fire nation one thing that I definitely want to make sure that you the listeners are absorbing from this is like listen until we actually do something we're never going to really know so the, the error and the fault here wasn't that Michael made that mistake. The error and the fault would have been if he never even put himself in the situation to make that mistake because he never would have learned then. So you have to take that action to then get that reaction to then adjust and pivot and then become better and better and better. You know, I got a ton of feedback when I first started podcasting and I just used it to get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And this is how you can progress. So get in the game, Fire Nation. Don't let the story stop you from doing anything and be like, oh, I got to have this perfect process. You won't have a perfect process until you do that thing. So that's my big takeaway, Michael. Just one sentence. What do you want to make sure Fire Nation gets? Okay, well, it's going to build on what you were just saying, John, and it's this, which is you've got to listen to the feedback, but you also got to remember that the feedback isn't necessarily the truth. You get to choose whether to follow it or not, but some, I think the mistake is either you follow none of it or you follow all of it. Um, really take the feedback in, know it's just somebody else's opinion, and then decide how to move forward from there. I love that because it's not gospel, Fire Nation. You need to take it in and say, hey, how does this work with me, with my vision, with my goals? And you know, how often am I getting this feedback? If you're getting the exact same piece of feedback 10 times, then yeah, maybe you need to open your eyes. But if it's kind of an outlier, then maybe it is just that. Maybe it is just an outlier. So Michael, let's do a shift to another story. And just like, mm. I feel like I was there with you running up those rocky <laughs> steps and hearing the opera being sang, like tell us a story of a time that you've had an aha moment, an epiphany, and how you turned that idea into success. Well, this is the the moment that's probably had the deepest impact in me growing and scaling my business. And uh, I was actually in an audience. I was hearing somebody speak, and his name was Dan Sullivan. He runs an organization based here in Toronto, actually, called Strategic Coach. And it's kind of less about coaching. It's more about helping entrepreneurs thrive. And this is the what he taught me. It's a model that really shifted everything for me. He said, look, there are three phases that you go through. And these three phases are what allow you to grow and scale. The first phase is when you say something like, I am a, and then you add a profession. You know, I am a coach, I am a dentist, I am an accountant. 
That's the starting point. And if you do that, you kind of, you're forever bounded by the profession you've just assigned yourself. The second phase is when you say, I am an entrepreneur who, you know, is it, who does accounting, who does dentistry, who does coaching. And, you know, I know that everybody in Fire Nation is there already. They've, they've gone from stage one to stage two right away. But then the third piece, what really made the impact for me is I am somebody who creates intellectual property for dentistry or coaching or accounting or whatever it happens to be. And that was the insight that really made the aha for me. That was the moment where I went, okay, that's where scalability lies because it's in creating the IP that you're actually able to extract yourself from the situation and actually go, I can give this to other people to champion and move along with that. So what that did for me is have me spend less time worrying about my own performance and more time going, how do I create the intellectual property that really distinguishes and makes Box of Crayon separate and different and distinctive from other training companies that are out there in the world? Now, there's a lot of feedback that you could take from that Fire Nation. I hope you do take a lot because there's a lot of golden nuggets in there, a lot of value bombs. The one thing that I really want to focus on and just share is the value of investing in yourself. And this is just kind of, you know, one of those things that wasn't the main point in the story. But what did Mm. Michael do? He invested in himself. I can tell you, strategic coach is not cheap, but he invested in himself. He went there and he learned and he had this aha moment because of the situation, the room, the people that he put himself in front of. That is so important. So what are you doing to invest in yourself? Think about that. And just be absolutely adamant that you are focused on improving, investing yourself every day on some level. And hey, investing in yourself, by the way, can mean investing your time reading Mm. a couple pages of a good book. That's investing in yourself, Fire Nation. So that's my big takeaway, Michael. What do you want to make sure Fire Nation gets? Yeah, let me build on what you're saying because I love where you're going with it, which is not only put yourself in the situation to learn, listen to a podcast, go read a book, attend a course. But it's to show up in a humble way because I know one of my patterns, John, is that I will show up and I'm like, I kind of know this stuff. I'm kind of, I, I don't really expect to learn that much. And what I find is that if I'm able to be a little more humble, kind of come with a beginner's mind, come going, there's value to be found here, but I have to, I have to hunt for it, not just assume that it might get delivered to me, then I will squeeze a lot more out of the experience. Be humble. Be happy, Fire Nation. Equate Mm. happiness with being humble. Michael, what's your biggest weakness as an entrepreneur? The biggest weakness I have as an entrepreneur is actually trying to wrestle an answer from uh, this particular question. And the question is, how much is enough? So one of the things that I found when I became an entrepreneur and as I've thought about growing my business as it's had this focus recently is, wow, from here I can scale from X million to XX million and from there XX million to onwards. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. And I remember going to another conference and coming back and talking to my wife, who's also my business partner. That's a whole other story about how to be or not be successful. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I see it now. I've got the levers. I've got the structure. It's just a question of actually implementing these disciplines. And she asked this question and she said, is that what you want? And I was like, oh, And I was like, it's a brilliant question because actually I'm not sure what it was that I want. And I think one of the weaknesses that I currently have as an entrepreneur is I haven't got clear yet on the end game. You know, it's like, is it about making money? Is it about scaling impact? Is it about selling the company off? All of those are real options for us. Not clear yet where to go with it. That's what I'm struggling with. What's your biggest strength? 
stupidity. <laughs> Here's what I'm a little deaf to, a little stupid about, which is what is appropriate to do, what's inappropriate to do. You know, one of the biggest breakthroughs I had early on, very first book I've written, this, this new book's number five, so this is the first book I've written, and I was pretty excited about it. I self-published it kind of back before the day when self-publishing was kind of an easier thing to do now, so it was an effort. And so I've now invested thirty dollars or $40,000 in getting this book written. So I'm sitting there at my desk panicking slightly, and I ask myself, okay, so Michael, what wouldn't you do to make this book successful? And, you know, there's actually things you wouldn't do to make the book successful, but <laughs> one of the things I went, well, you know, I will call up famous people and ask for support or a testimonial or a blurb or something like that. So I went over to my bookshelf. My books at the time were alphabetical, top left-hand corner, Getting Things Done by David Allen. Now, great productivity book, a real kind of classic. I hadn't actually read it, but I was like, doesn't matter. So I got on the web. I found a phone number for David Allen. I called up this number going, I'll just talk to a secretary and kind of begin the process. On the first ring, it's like, hello, David Allen here. I'm like, oh, my God, I've got no pitch prepared. I haven't thought this through at all. And I kind of stumbled my way through this conversation, and he graciously said, okay, send me a copy of the book. Um, and actually, he liked it. He wrote a blurb for it. And then, actually, he brought me in, and for two or three years, we did a kind of early podcast version for him around kind of the question of the day. So uh, kind of that stupidity about what you can and can't do due to social norms has been a real benefit for me as an entrepreneur. I think, Michael, maybe a better word than stupidity, although you're welcome to use it if you want. But let's just say blissful ignorance. Blissful ignorance. And you know what? As entrepreneurs, (laughs) it is good to be blissfully ignorant because I'm telling you, if you talk to 99 out of 100 entrepreneurs and you said, hey, if you knew how hard it was going to be, how many mistakes and failures and late nights and, and crying sessions that you were going to have over the last couple of years yeah. to, to build it, do you think you ever would have started? And they said, of course I would not have started this. I could never have put myself through it knowingly, but I was blissfully ignorant and I just tackled one day at a time. Now, Michael, what is the one thing that has you most fired up today? I'm a learner. I really like that kind of staying on the edge of what I'm competent about and what I can do. So the thing I'm learning about most at the moment is is how to launch a book. Uh, you know, I've got this new book coming out, the book I'm excited by, but really the learning edge is how do you launch a book without it killing you? Because, you know, and you, you've probably come across this with your Kickstart yeah. campaign for your journal, which is, you know, there is an infinite number of things you can do to promote the new thing. You know, there's an infinite number of people you can ask. There's an infinite number of podcasts you can appear on. So part of what I'm fired up about is going that kind of 80-20 rule, which is what's the 20% of things I can do that will create 80% of the impact? And that's where the real learning is for me at the moment. 80-20, baby. You need to find that 20% Fire Nation that's going to really produce 80% of your desired outcome, then just focus on that 20%. And guess what? Once you've done that for a while, then what's that 20% of that 20%? And keep diving down until you're just humming along. Michael, are you prepared for the lightning rounds? So prepared. I'm twitching (laughs) in excitement here, John. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Thinking that money was more important than purpose. What's the best advice you've ever received? The most powerful advice I ever received was, Michael, you are a good person. That's what resonated most. Share a personal habit that contributes to your success. 
I have two tables in my office. I have a table for doing great work. That's the thinking, uh, creative, strategic work. And I have a separate table for doing good work. That's the get it done, process the emails, churn through stuff. Share an internet resource like Evernotes with Fire Nation. I done this.com and send you an email at the end of every day going, what did you get up to today? <laughs> and what I do is I write, I am celebrating and I'll write down two or three things I want to celebrate about the day. Cause if I don't do that, I just miss the opportunity to capture the success and I just rush on to the next action. If you could recommend one book for our listeners to join the coaching habit on our bookshelves, what would that book be and why? There's a book by a guy called Edgar Schein. He's a former MIT professor, and the book is called Helping. And it's about the paradox of helping, which is when we try and give people our help, it actually creates resistance to the very help that we're trying to create. So how do you more success? Because entrepreneurs are essentially people who are desperate to try and help people. But how do you help in a smart way that allows people to be open to it rather than resist the very help you're trying to push upon them? Well, Fire Nation, I know you love audio, so I teamed up with Audible. And if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audiobook for free at eofirebook.com. Now, Michael, this is the last question of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? So, you know, I did some thinking about this because it is a doozy. And I looked at some of the answers that other people are given on this podcast. And a lot of them are about, well, I figured out what made me successful this time around. So I'm just going to go straight there immediately and just do that and do it hard and do it fast. I think that misses the point of luck playing in your current success because it's partly due to hard work. And it's partly that, you know, the gods are friendly, the stars align. So honestly, and this is a, this, this is a kind of feels like a non-entrepreneurial question. The first thing I would do is I'd go out and I'd try and find a basic job to get a bit of revenue coming in. You know, there's a uh, Jim Collins who wrote Good to Great and some other books. The metaphor he uses is success comes from firing bullets and firing cannonballs. And it's how you do it that makes the difference. His suggestion is you fire your bullets until you find the target and then you fire the cannonball. And what he says is most people either fire the cannonball too soon because they're like, I think this is the idea, bang, or they fire it too late. They kind of get the target through the bullets, which are the low risk, low cost ways of checking things out, but then never pluck up the nerve to fire the cannonball. So my job, I think, in my first seven days, get a job, get some revenue coming in so I don't have that anxiety about how am I going to live, and then I get to start firing bullets. Then when I fired the bullets and I found my target, then I have the courage to actually load the cannonball and get fully committed to that idea. Michael, let's end today on fire with a parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Website is the starting point, boxofcrayons.biz, B-I-Z or B-I-Z, depending on where you want to find me. <laughs> and LinkedIn is probably where I'm most active in terms of social media. And that parting piece of guidance. At the heart of success for me is knowing what to say no to so that you can truly say yes to the stuff that really matters to you. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, and you have been hanging out with JLD and MBS, so keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. If you just type Michael in the search bar, 
his show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. His website, boxofcrayons.biz. Of course, check out his book, The Coaching Habits. Every resource, book, and link that we mentioned today will be there as well. And Michael, I just want to thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. See you later, everybody. Fire Nation, thank you for listening to EO Fire. Visit eofire.com for entrepreneurial resources, free trainings on how to podcast and host webinars, and so much more. Visit eofire.com and ignite.